everybody, and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby, and this is episode 49 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, head over to rvmiles.com slash podcast. You can also keep up with RV Miles on social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you'd like to keep up with Jason and I and our three boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, we are over at OurWanderingFamily.com, and you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. On today's episode, we have all the tips and tricks you need for avoiding the crowds at national parks. Crowds are really getting out of hand in some places as the park visitation increases year after year after year, and hopefully we can help you avoid some of the mayhem. But first, this episode is sponsored by Boondockers Welcome. Built by RVers for RVers, Boondockers Welcome offers a unique and inspiring way to travel, connecting you, the RVer, with welcoming local hosts that have overnight RV parking to spare. Boondockers Welcome is built on the spirit that kindness and generosity abound. And for only $30 a year, you too can arrange as many stays as you like to pass a night with those who love the RV lifestyle as much as you do. And best of all, Boondockers Welcome is offering RV Miles listeners 10% off an annual guest privileges subscription with the coupon code RVMILES. That's all one word. Just head over to boondockerswelcome.com, put in the promo code RVMILES, all one word, or we'll link to it in the show notes. All right, let's hit the news. I have this is this this news item is sort of an interesting product. It's more of a product, but it's news because they're launching it and I thought it was really interesting. There's lots of talk in a lot of the RV forums about the best grill to take out on the road with you. Whether it's propane or whether it's going to be charcoal, what size. We have one of those Coleman Road Trip LXE grills and uh, we were super hot on it in the beginning, and over time, we have grown a little cold yeah, towards the grill. <laughs> it's a little big and honking and heavy and frustrating to clean. Yes, uh, and now you want a griddle. <laughs> so and now it, you want to yes. get this big box I that do, doesn't fold up I, I, <laughs> and replace that. <laughs> I am jumping on the bandwagon of the Blackstone griddles because they're pretty awesome. Propane can easily clean them cook everything at once i think they're really cool a lot of people like to travel around with their charcoal grills i think that's a lot of mess that i'm not interested in in taking care of but hey i haven't done it so i don't know how bad it actually is but here's a new option that i think is really interesting wood-fired pellet grills so what this is and these exist in in larger forms but you you put pellets that you would use in sort of a pellet stove into uh, this grill and it feeds them in and you get a wood-fired grill fire this company called traeger uh, is a company that makes these and they have two new models that are specifically for traveling with they're called the ranger and the scout and i think they're really cool you can actually control the temperature and 25 degree increments and it sort of feeds the fire faster or slower automatically it has a meat probe there's plenty of room under the lid for food which is one of my issues with our grill is that coleman grill there's just you couldn't cook a chicken on it if you wanted to you couldn't cook 
um, ribs standing up or have a, a rack of wings or something like that. Can I just say that's a very valid point. But can I also say we've never had a need to cook those things out on the road. I mean, we're just not rib cooking, wing making, whole chicken grilling people. You're not, but I might be. Okay. When you had that big honking grill back in the apartment in Chicago with the little smoke barrel thing on the side, how often were you out there making beer can chicken? Well, I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying on special occasions, I was, I'm not trying to like throw shade (laughs) at you and the things you want to cook. I'm just saying that if that's our reasoning for getting this, we might want to rethink really our cooking needs. I think it's very cool though. And it reminds me a lot of BioLite mm-hmm. in a sense, like it's the BioLite of grills. That's what I think of when I hear what you can do with this. It seems very high tech for the needs that you have for grilling. It's high tech and low tech at the same time, yeah. which I think is cool because it's very simple the way it works. So I'm really interested in, in getting a wood fire. Grill. I love the taste of wood fire. You know, that that taste that you get when you cook over a campfire. I think it's excellent. So I'm I'm interested in in trying one of these new Traeger travel grills. Next in the news, this is sort of a sad story coming out of Las Vegas. Uh, a Boy Scout troop had their trailer full of camping gear broke into and $15,000 worth of camping gear was stolen out of it. That's a lot of camping gear. And this was gear that these these Boy Scouts raised the money for and purchased on their own. They had a big camping trip coming up two weeks away from now, and they have no gear to do it with. That's, That's really so sad. sad. I mean, who that, would steal all that from Boy Scouts? That takes a very unique individual because you know that trailer had the Boy Scout emblem on the side uh-huh. like they always do with the troop number. and. It takes a really strong need to look at that trailer and be like, mm, I'm going to go ahead and take all this stuff from the Boy Scouts. Yeah, it's sad. That's really unfortunate. And I hope that they are able to recoup some of their loss and be able to go on their camping trip still. So they are collecting donations and we'll put a link in the show notes to where you can donate to help them out. All right. That's our news for the week. Let's talk about our app of the week. Let's. Dun, dun, dun. We I need theme know. music for the app of the week. <laughs> um, no, we really don't. But I do think it's a lot of fun that we're doing this. And it does seem to be something that people are really enjoying. And it gives you an outlet to talk about all of the apps that you absolutely love to find. So go on, my dear. What is this week's Hidden Gem app? Okay, so this app, I actually did mention this app before when we did our episode talking about uh, TV and watching TV in the RV. One of the most important episodes we have ever (laughs) done on RV Miles, how to watch your shows. A challenging thing when you arrive in a new area is, is directing your antenna towards stations where you're going to get the signal that you're looking for. So, you know, you know, the Sunday night football game is playing on whatever station you want to find that. And it's kind of hard to do sometimes when you're out in the middle of nowhere and these stations are very far away. Pointing the antenna in one direction may give you 10 stations, 
pointing the antenna in the opposite direction may give you 20 and they may be different types of stations entirely. Yeah, it makes all the difference in the world when your kid really, really, really wants to watch Odd Squad or Wild Kratts <laughs> and they're not content with the ones they have watched on Amazon Prime about 2,700 times. So it's nice to be able to find that PBS station. So this this is a very simple app. It's called Watch Free HD TV, all as one word. Watch Free HD TV. <laughs> it's sorry, that name is so terrible. It's so terrible. <laughs> they are not leaving anything to the imagination. The imagination. No. no, they are so right there. This is what you get with this app. It's free. It's available for for both in both the Google Play Store and and the Apple App Store. And all it does is simply lists all the nearby TV stations I'm looking at right now. And it lists the nearby TV stations within a hundred mile radius. Which should be quite a few considering that we are in the Quad Cities at the moment and here it, with Jason's parents. Mm -hmm. And it uses your GPS and your smartphone to show an arrow as to which direction that station's antenna is. So you can point your antenna in its direction and get the best chance of picking it up. Super simple. And this is how we watch most of the TV we watch on the road. People ask how we're able to watch TV while we're on, on the road. Yeah, people want to know how I'm watching watch, The Bachelorette. Watch, uh, let me tell you. It's we on watch <laughs> local TV as much as we can, and we use Hulu and Netflix on our phones to sort of fill in. You know what I like to watch when it comes to local TV when we're traveling around is I actually really like to watch the 10 o'clock news Yeah, from the oh. local news. I just, I really get a kick out of seeing the different anchors in the area, the different weather people, what is their main focus here in the quad cities right now. There's <laughs> so quite, yeah, you know where I'm going with this. There's a real controversy going on here in the quad cities right now because Portillo's, which I don't know how many people are familiar with Portillo's, but it's um, a real Chicago brand, hot dogs, hamburgers. We love Portillo's, crinkle cut fries, cheese sauce, done all day. They want to come here to the quad cities. Well, the people in Davenport, they're not having it. There have been... Zoning meetings after zoning meetings. It's been like a year now that this has been in talks. Every 10 o'clock news spot leads. Their 10 o'clock lead is the Portillo's controversy. Front page headlines in the newspaper. I am pretty I mean, I'm I, loving it so much because it's so simple and it's it's just so refreshing to see people like really talking about like, what will this do to our community? What will be the impact besides the fact that I can get an amazing Polish sausage? There's like a half a million people in this community. Okay. This is not like a tiny town. No, it's Davenport, Iowa. <laughs> it's mentioned in the music, man. I mean, it's famous. What I love is watching the local news and seeing, you know, some of the same anchors that were, that are on when I was here as a kid. And they're still on. Still having to talk about Portillo's. 30 years later. <laughs> but there's nobody on that's sort of like been on for a while that I don't know. So there's the there's the people that have been on forever. And then they're with teenagers. There's the fresh ones <laughs> right out of college. That's another great thing about smaller local news, too, is you get a lot of like really green, really new anchors and they're either going to stay with this community for the rest of their career 
or they're going to progress yeah. up in their career and they're going to leave this community and move on to bigger metropolitan areas. But that is the one thing about being able to pick up local television that I really like. Also, it's a great way to find out what's going on in the community. Yeah. What are some events that are happening that maybe you have a hard time finding on the interwebs? Like, I absolutely love the 10 o'clock newscast. And of course, the weather and Plus, all, get that all weather. the other information that you like. And Is you it going to be a- sunny in New Mexico tomorrow? Sunny and windy or just sunny? <laughs> and you can get it from a teenager wearing a 40-year-old's hair. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> and a suit about two sizes too big. <laughs> All right. That's enough. And on that, that note, we will move on. <laughs> Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to give you some awesome tips for avoiding crowds in national parks. But first, we'll have the answer to last week's brain teaser. Be right back. All right, we are back with the answer to last week's brain teaser. Abby had it last week, so. I did. Go for it. Here we go. Two camels were facing in opposite directions. One was facing due east and one was facing due west. They were in the desert, so there was no reflection. How can they manage to see each other without walking around or turning around or moving their heads? I don't know. The two camels were facing each other. Oh, Get it? One so, was looking east, one was looking west, so and they happen to be looking at each other at the same time. Directions, yeah, I get it. But they're. This is a real th- want want for you. Mm, I can see it in your face. Mm, You're like, mm, want want. I mean, when you say somebody's you facing opposite directions, you think there'd be back to back. But you can't right. assume anything with riddles. You can't assume. You must look at all possible That's scenarios. That's true. All right. We're going to get into our tips for avoiding crowds at national parks, which is absolutely essential right now. But first, this segment is sponsored by RV Health. Affordable access to healthcare is a major challenge for those of us who travel frequently. Thankfully, there's a new solution with RV Health. RV Health's online doctors can write prescriptions and even act as your primary care physician. You'll get a prescription discount for an average of 62% off of retail medication prices, plus vision and dental discounts and so much more. And while not insurance, RV Health works as a supplement to your current plan or provides basic health care for those without. But the best part about RV Health is that it is only $24 a month for your whole family. Visit rvhealth.com slash rvmiles to get your first month, though, for only $1 with absolutely no commitment required. You do not have to roll into month two if it doesn't work for you. That first month is $1, and then you can continue on, if you would like, for $24 a month. Visit rvhealth.com slash rvmiles to get started today. All right. Tips. Avoiding crowds. National parks. Let's just say the first tip is not stay home. Let's get that out there right now. Go. Do not stay home. Do not stay home. But the time of year you go can make a difference. And not everybody can go different times of year. 
Absolutely. Some people can only go in the summer. That's when their kids are out of school. They can go for a couple weeks at a time and really get an extended trip in. Or they can only go around certain holidays because... Spring break. Yeah, they're going to take a couple days off work. Like this week, the 4th of July, you get to take four days off in the week and you get 10 days off total. Pretty good deal. Pretty nine, sweet deal. 10, 9. nine Jason, days we off. don't do math on this nine. show, okay? Okay, there's... <laughs> Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Nine days off. Yeah. Seven day week plus... Yeah. Two more days on the week. We don't do math on this Seven show. Seven plus two is nine. I got it. I got it. Moving on, please. <laughs> The best time to avoid crowds in national parks is always going to be when kids are in school. That Especially we, that first few weeks in September yeah. as the school year is just beginning. No one's willing to miss a few days to go on vacation. That beginning of the school year is always a great time to hit up a national park. Absolutely. And avoid holidays whenever possible because people take that holiday and they like to have that extended vacation then. And that makes the national parks busy. We've learned a lot of our national park visiting tips from our many trips to Disney World, to be honest. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> what happens at Disney can be taken and applied yeah. to a national park. I would not want to be in Zion National Park right now, just as I would not want to be in the Magic Kingdom at this yeah. moment. Yeah, this It's is just very, very busy. Fourth of July week is one of the busiest weeks uh, of the year at Disney World. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's as bad at Zion because they probably don't have Fourth of July fireworks <laughs> over Zion Canyon. They probably <laughs> don't. Scared away I, the little mule deer. Poor little mule deer. <laughs> but Zion, we know in the summer, is one of the highest trafficked parks. 60% of annual park visitation occurs between more Memorial Day and Labor Day. And and those two weekends are big weekends as mm -hmm. well, of course, at all of the biggest parks. Off months are always going to be the best months. And sometimes those are the best months to see things as well. Yosemite's waterfalls are at their peak in May. Acadia's foliage is stunning in October. And Joshua Tree is best in early spring when temperatures aren't super hot and and the wildflowers are blooming and you can say that about a lot of parks in the spring particularly i think yeah i think you can say that a lot about southwest parks yeah. in the spring as we just spent our spring in the southwest we can tell you that in the beginning when we were there at the end of january into february we were getting temps down into below freezing at night and then up into the 60s during the day by the time we left in the beginning of May left the Southwest, we were already seeing temperatures well above 90 degrees and then dipping down to a nice comfortable 60 in the evening. And that wasn't even before the summer peak. And you know, if you go to a place like, uh, like the great smoky mountains, if you're there in the early spring, there's not a lot of new foliage on the trees and everything is, is a little Brown, you know, until it starts getting into mid spring. And, the brown isn't as pretty as the green, of course, but it also means that you can still see through a lot of the trees and you yeah. can see a little bit more of the mountains. You can see a little bit more of the animals if you're out looking for animals. So so there are different positives and negatives about different times of the year. And, you know, some places are just their best under a blanket of snow. Sure. Let's talk about anywhere in Alaska. Mm hmm. 
or or even Denali. I would love to put my eyes on Denali when there's just a blanket of snow everywhere. I always love the pictures of Arches National Park in the snow. You've got this blanket yeah. of snow and an arch rising up from it. I think that's always so cool. Yeah, this beautiful red rock yeah. and this bright white snow. So time of year is is not always under everybody's control. What might be under your control, it, it's sometimes hard for us. <laughs> oh, yeah. This one is like the impossible. <laughs> is getting up early in the morning. And again, this is our biggest Disney World t- tip. If you get up early and you go to when, when that park opens, <laughs> go to Rope Drop, you can ride like half the rides within that first hour. Yeah, you don't have to be a runner. It's the same thing at a national park. If you're at Yellowstone, get up early. Go to Old Faithful, go to the Grand Prismatic Spring, and then do the less popular stuff when people really start arriving in the middle of the day. Because guess what? Most people aren't going to get up and be there early like you. Yeah. And if you can stay at the campground, at the park, or be really close, it makes it a little bit easier for you to get there early as well. And, and this again, it's another Disney tip, but it applies to the parks. We like to take a break midday come Mm -hmm. back to the campground rest rejuvenate have lunch just kind of get out of the heat of the day or just take some time to chill and then go back out yeah go out late that's the next tip even though the sun may go down as late as 8 30 at night most people are out of the busy areas of a park by 5 p.m so you still might have three hours or more of park time with hardly anybody in the park. Some parks don't offer as many services or even close down by 5 p.m. But for the most part, there's so much. And come on, sunsets in a national park are just wonderful. Uh, Yeah, wonderful is not even a strong enough word. I mean, they are just spectacular. Yeah, and you can go out on a trail, bring your headlamps with you and and such, and, and enjoy the trip out there. And on the way back towards dusk, as it starts to get darker, be safe. You know, you don't want to be caught in the dark out on a trail. But if you're prepared a little bit, you can extend your evening and you can get the beautiful show of the night skies. And as Abby mentioned a minute ago, stay in the park really helps to avoid not only those long lines getting into the park gates, uh, but the long drive into the park. And it just allows you to get there earlier and to not have to drive out as late at night. Yeah. And the unfortunate thing about the stay in the park tip is that that really does require long-term planning. Yeah. Staying in a national park is not becoming or is not at this point. One of those, I feel like going to a park this weekend and I'm going to grab a spot and go. It's hard to do. It's really hard to do, especially with the popular parks, which is what this topic is really focused on. Those parks are being booked out months in advance. I mean, really when the window opens. So if this is something that you really want to do and it will help you kind of break up the stress of the crowds in these popular parks, if you have to go during the summer months, then plan on booking that trip way out in advance so that you can get a chance to stay in the park and just make your trip a little less stressful. Get out on the trails. Most national park visitors experience the park from their car. That is so hard for me to wrap my brain around, but it is absolutely a 
true fact. They say that less than 5% of visitors venture more than, I think, a half mile from any road. Wow. So go for a hike and the crowds are going to thin out in an instant. You can be at the busiest park there is. And if you can get out on a trail, especially the longer the trail you take, the, the more people are going to disappear and you're going to have it all to yourself. And the best part is most of the pretty stuff is at the end of trails. Yeah. And I think to to piggyback on that is open your mind up a little bit to going on trails that are not the most popular. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if you're in, we'll go back to Zion. If you're in Zion, maybe think about not doing Angel's Landing and picking another trail that isn't as well known because Angel's Landing this time of year is just a crushed group of bodies moving up to the top ooing and eyeing, and then holding onto a chain and trying not to fall down on their way back down. Or again, if you're going to do it, get there first thing in the morning. Yeah. I mean, have your sunrise happen as you're hitting the trail. And and take trails that don't start from a convenient location. If you can take a trail that requires you to sort of drive away from the visitor center, you're much more likely to be able to get away from people. Though parking can be an issue at some of those trails. Yeah. You know, I come back again to the example of when we were at Zion and it was we were doing the Emerald Pools and we had been at the lower pool and we were moving up to go to the middle pool and it was just really busy and it wasn't very enjoyable. And we saw a sign for the Cayente or Cayenta Trail to the right. Mm -hmm. And we decided based on the way we were watching people go to the left to continue to the middle pools and no one going to the right, we decided to go to the right. And yeah. that ended up being a much more enjoyable hike. It was quiet. We still encountered some people, but pretty typical that you would expect on a trail. It wasn't just a bunch of bodies moving in a line to get to the next point. And that to me ended up being one of my favorite hikes on the entire week long stay because it gave us a chance to connect with the park at our pace and move, allowed the kids to move at their pace without feeling like they had somebody on top of them trying to push them to the next And stop. it was a slightly more difficult trail. And I think that also plays into yeah. if the more difficult trails are going to be less crowded, if you can manage those, uh, you don't need to do the super difficult, but if you can do a more difficult trail, a moderate trail, it's going to be less crowded than a paved pathway. Yes, absolutely. Okay, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have five more tips for avoiding crowds in national parks. We'll be right back. What's the next tip? So the next one is, and I, I hesitate to call them the less popular parks. I keep thinking what is kind of a better way to put this into perspective. But this tip is think about going to the parks that aren't. That aren't as busy. 
that aren't as busy or maybe just aren't as mainstream. Yeah. Some of them might be more out of the way than the others. Yeah. You know, the 10 most popular parks are always going to be the same parks. And there are 412 (laughs) sites in the National Park Service. And, And don't discount the National Monuments. And if you're if you're just looking to hike and get out there, there are national monuments that are bigger than national parks. There are plenty of National Park Service sites outside of the big 60 that are every bit as great as those other 60. But the big 10 parks are always going to be the same. You can still go see some amazing scenery and have it all to yourself. Absolutely. I mean, when we were at Guadalupe Mountains, we, for the most part, just had that trail all to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it was spectacular. It was a really gorgeous trail. I mean, I can't say enough for Guadalupe Mountains. I think if there's one national park that gets a little overlooked for many reasons, it is pretty remote. There's not a lot of camping, especially RV camping. You know, it's not the most visitor friendly park in the sense of getting there and staying there for a long period of time. But if you can make it work, it is absolutely worth your time. I think the same could be said for Theodore Roosevelt or Bryce Canyon. You know, sometimes I think Bryce Canyon gets overlooked because it's so close to Zion. But yeah, it's one of the big five in Utah. And yeah. a lot of people do all those five parks. But but Bryce is not anywhere near as busy as Zion is. Yeah. Uh, Crater Lake is another one. You know, if you want to go up into the northwest area, Crater Lake is is rarely as busy as some of those parks up in the northwest that get a lot of foot traffic voyagers national park that's another one that i would highly recommend i'm not quite sure i would suggest it right now in july when there's probably a million mosquitoes and black flies black flies flies. everywhere but it is one of those parks that if you do kind of want to get away and really i think experience what it means to be inside a national park go all the way to the top of Minnesota and spend some time at Voyagers. If you are going to go to the Big Ten parks or any park, visit the less popular areas of those parks. Sometimes the less popular areas of those parks are the best areas, but people just don't go to them because they're not quite as convenient. For instance, Zion, the Kolob Canyons area, Hardly anybody goes over there. Yeah, even the ranger said that no one goes over here. So if you're really looking to have a hike that's remote and you can move at your own pace and still see some of the stunning features that makes this area so unique, go over there. It's a little bit of a drive, but it's absolutely worth it. And that was from a ranger. The north rim of the Grand Canyon, it's a little bit more difficult to get to. It's kind of out of the way. You're coming from a different direction. You're not coming off an interstate. But the north rim of the Grand Canyon gets 10% of the visitors of the south rim. Now, the south rim is where the better weather is for most of the year. The north rim has snow longer and is higher elevation. But the north rim, 10% of the visitors of the south rim, the canyon, I mean, that's a no brainer to me. It is. But at the same time, the North Rim doesn't open for a certain period of time. So that's going to, I think, factor Mm -hmm. into some of these lesser numbers. So, again, depending on the time of year you're going, you may not have access to the North Rim. 
another one. And we were actually talking to your brother today about this, about their experience at Mammoth Caves, where they were prior to their trip trying to get a tour, trying to book a tour online. And everything was booked solid, booked solid when they got there, they were checking day of, they couldn't get into anything. And that really kind of, I think, killed their mammoth cave experience a little bit for them. And one of the things I would encourage people, if you find that you're going to a particular park and it has these really specific tours, cave tours, for instance, and they're just booked, don't give up on the park yet. At mammoth places like Carlsbad, there is some incebile hiking to be had above ground. Yeah. There's Rattlesnake Canyon at Carlsbad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is a gorgeous area. And yes, the caves are what are bringing us to that area. And sometimes depending on when we book our trip or how far in advance, unfortunately, now with these parks we're booking, we may not be able to get into some of these more popular items, but when cave- don't give up. Wind Cave National Park is one of the best places where you can go and see a lot of the wildlife that people are looking for when they go up to sort of the Yellowstone area and the Mount Rushmore area in the Black Hills. You can go to Wind Cave National Park and see buffalo and and deer and all kinds of animals not in the caves. You know, so you don't even yeah. have to go in the caves and you get a great experience. Of course, we hope you will be able to, but should you not, there's definitely more that can be done there. There's there's a lot. I could I could just speak of a ton of dif- different National Park Service sites that we thought were one sort of one trick ponies. One trick ponies. Bandelier National Monument, great example. Oh yeah. This massive massive place that I thought was just, you know, the Native American dwellings and it's just miles and miles and miles and miles of hiking trails through some amazing New Mexico scenery. Yeah, that's one of those National Park Service sites that we have on that short list of we must go back. We barely cracked the surface of mm-hmm. that park. The next tip, go backpacking. We mentioned go hiking earlier. Backpacking is hiking, you know, with a shot of steroids. It backpacking, is an incredible experience. Now, it doesn't need to be it doesn't have to be overnight. To me, backpacking can be a full day trip as well. Uh, but you could extend it even more by go by camping overnight. Just because you're an RVer doesn't mean you can't carry a tent with you. We do. We and do take it out into the backcountry and camp overnight. I think Petrified Forest has some really interesting mm-hmm. backpacking tent camping options that I would love to explore because it's basically like you just set out and you can camp anywhere within the park limits, of course. But I think that's really fascinating. I will say that one of my strongest memories, probably the one game changer for me that has led me to be in this particular lifestyle was the week I spent in the backcountry of the Rocky Mountain National Parks at 17 years old. It absolutely changed the way I looked at nature. It changed the way I looked at the parks and it stuck with me forever. And there was nothing fancy about it. It was just a week camping with people I enjoyed spending time with. And that was it. Less than 1% of national park visitors camp in the backcountry. As popular as Yellowstone is, its backcountry trails are some of the least crowded 
of any of the major national parks. Well, it's a little intimidating. I will be honest. Yeah, I would feel very intimidated doing that now with our boys. But now backcountry camping doesn't necessarily mean you are 10 miles from a visitor center. You no. might be one mile out, you know? Yeah, it can mean whatever you want it mm-hmm. to mean. Do you remember that family we saw at Guadalupe mm-hmm. where they were getting ready to head out into the backcountry and they had some kids that looked like Ethan and Jack's age, like maybe around nine, 10 years old. And I was just so impressed with that family and that group. And they were going to go out and especially that time of year too, because it was still getting rather cold at night Mm -hmm. and they were headed out to, I think they said they were doing a week and I'm not quite sure that I'm there yet in the mind space I need to, to take our boys and go, but you have certainly expressed an interest in wanting to do this for one or two nights with one of our kids each time, just a dad and a kid. Yeah. And I think that's wonderful. And I would love for us to see that happen more for you and your boys. Like when we're out camping, I'm not ready to do that. I'm going to hang out at the bus with well, the other two. But, and that's the beauty of know, what we do. You go. We can, you can be in the bus and park, or even if we all went, we could leave, we could leave our RV in the campsite and, go out for a night, you know, and come back. You guys absolutely could. I think could. that would be great. Now you do have to make sure, you know, where the campsites are, you know, where the dispersed and backcountry campsites are and you know how far you're supposed to go and all that sort of stuff. And you can check with rangers to deal with all that. But I, I think it's a really worthwhile to explore. Even if you don't camp overnight, you pack everything and head out on the trail and spend the whole day out on the trail you'll get some experiences that you will not see just driving the park roads and pulling over and seeing Old Faithful. I can agree with that 100%. So what's our last one? Our last tip is visit on a rainy day. And, you know, you might not have a choice if you're far away from home or, or wherever you might be. But, you know, even if you are in the campground at the National Park and you're thinking, oh, it's a rainy day, I'm not going to go out today. Well, you should know that everybody else is thinking the same thing. And if you're willing to suit up, get out in the rain, especially if it's light rain. This is another Disney World tip, by the way. Mm-hmm. You go to Disney World on a rainy day. Mm-mm. The second it rains, the park clears out. You will you- ride Toy Story <laughs> Mania all day long because <laughs> nobody else is going to be there riding it, which is unheard of. Yeah. Yeah, and there are a lot of places you want to check the weather in advance and see because a lot of people that go to Disney World don't realize that Southern Florida often has very short thunderstorms, you know, like every other day. So they see a thunderstorm and they think, oh, it's over for me today. That could happen anywhere in the country. Check to see what their weather patterns are and what kind of what kind of rain activity they get does it mean that it's going to rain for days or only a few hours? I think you have an app for this that you like to check. Maybe that ne- that's next week's maybe, tip. Maybe it is. App of the week. <laughs> our, our final, final tip, the final, final tip is ask a ranger for advice. Rangers are always going to be able to point to you, uh, even though last week we told you that rangers have screwed us up a couple times. <laughs> rangers are usually going to be able to tell you, where the best places are to go to the, avoid the crowds. One of the best tips I've ever heard is ask a ranger, where's the best place to watch a sunset? 
Where's your, not where's the yeah. best place? Where's your favorite place? Where would you go? Where would you go to watch to a watch. sunset? Yeah, yeah, if you can ask a ranger what they would do and not what is the most popular, right. that is almost always going to be two separate answers from a ranger. Yeah. What they want to do and what is the most popular are never one and the same. Okay, that is our set of tips for visiting a national park and beating the crowds. If you have any tips, let us know. Email us at editor at rvmiles.com or send us a direct message on any of our social media. Because we're always on them. We are. We are always on our social medias. And let's wrap this episode up with a brain teaser. Go for it, Jay. A camper. This is camping related one. I is kind this of, camper in the back country? Can we just no, set a picture? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. This camper is trying to gain access to a notorious but exclusive camping resort that requires a passcode for entry. Have you ever seen one of those? I have, actually. <laughs> yeah. But ours was at a New Mexico State Park, so I don't know how exclusive it was. After observing the entrance for about an hour, he notices that the campers entering through the guardhouse seem to have some sort of passcode system using numbers. When someone approaches the gate, they're given a number and then they reply with a number. The first person steps up and the guard tells them 12, to which they respond six. The person is admitted. A second person approaches the door. The guard tells them six, to which they reply three. The second person is also admitted. Convinced that he has cracked the code, our camper approaches the gate, and the guard tells him 10, to which he confidently replies five. The guard immediately slams the gate. What should the camper have said? Your fingers aren't going to help you with this. One. I, oh, don't look <laughs> at me over here. I'm trying to figure it out. Well, I have a lot of questions about this one. Like, so you just walk up. Where's this guy's camping gear? No, no. Okay. You and then can't, second, like, no, how can you, you, and listen, anyone who is hanging out over by the bushes for an hour while there's a guard at the gate, that guard is clearly not doing their job. This highly and notorious and exclusive <laughs> campground does not have cameras, so they don't know. They can't see it. But if the guy hiding in the bushes can see the gate, how can the guard and the gate not see the guy no. over in the bushes? I am just throwing this out here. You know, the, you know this campground doesn't exist, right? You know it's a brain teaser, right? <laughs> All right. You don't know that it doesn't exist. There could be a campground listening right now that goes, oh, that's a they've great cracked idea. our Let's code. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We will have the answer to that brain teaser and a whole lot more on next week's episode of RV Miles. We will. And thank you so much for listening. If you are enjoying the podcast, we would so appreciate a five-star review over on iTunes. And we would also appreciate you just sharing us around your next campfire or when you're in the office or driving down the road and stuck in traffic, just roll that window down and let that person next to you know, hey, I'm listening to RV Miles. You should listen to it too. Hey, and make sure to check out this week's episode of the America's National Parks podcast, which we forgot to mention in the new <laughs> segment. Did. But this episode is a really interesting one about the year that Maine burned in Acadia National Park when there were some just really crazy wildfires. 10,000 acres of Acadia National Park burned in 1949 it was pretty no 1947 sure 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. You only wrote it. I read it, but you wrote it. Anyway, have a wonderful week, everyone. Thank you so much for listening and keep logging those RV miles. Bye. Bye.